Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dash Radio Show. Hello and welcome everybody to tonight's Dash Radio Show. And uh, we have some fantastic guests. We've had a really great week. Tonight is all about weeding the astroturf. You know, what it's like when you're in your business and you're rocking along, but you you hit a slump. Or maybe you need to throw the baby out with the bathwater and just do over. You know, there are a lot of really, really interesting times that we hit in our businesses, and and, um, this is really, really an interesting parallel to the world of football. And this week we are rocking with Super Bowl week. And, Peter, we have an amazing guest who has been joining us and blessing us with his presence, and I know he's added um, some of the power in his team to tonight's show. So why don't you go ahead and do a little ditty about who we've got with us tonight. This sounds great. You know, on the first week or so, we did the concept of your own economy, and then we did your own your own utopia. And then this week with the Super Bowl, we figured it would be pretty neat to be able to draw the correlations between business, life, everyday experiences, and the Super Bowl. And, Don, you know, you and I could talk about that stuff because we might follow sports and things along that line, and we can draw our own correlations. But just like with anything else, I always said, well, who do we know that actually was in one or coached in one or was around one, and they could specifically help draw some real correlations and introduce news and information and current events and all that sort of stuff into this. And I was like put on my Winnie the Pooh thinking cap for all those people with grandkids or babies, and if they've been watching those videos, they think of Winnie the Pooh when he says, think, 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 uh-huh. think, think. And I said, who do I know? And I thought of Nancy Saporta. And Nancy's one of our big fans, and uh, she's always loved a lot of the things that we do. And as we go through, as I rekindled my relationship with Nancy, I said to her, Nancy, I remember Greg was Coach Greg, and I remember he was on the Denver Broncos. And that is like a really successful franchise, and they went to the Super Bowl. So do you think that Greg (laughs) would be able to talk to us about some of the correlations between life, football, and what's happening this week with the Super Bowl. So I am pleased to have both of them here tonight. We have Nancy, and Nancy just like, oh, my gosh, like you just love Nancy. And then Greg's here, and you love Greg, too, for the football stuff. So we're going to have both of them kind of tag team in their way in and out relative to this call. Okay, but but hold on a second. Because I have to – you say she is our big fan, and I have to do something right now. I hope you don't mind, Nancy, because – Peter never talks about what great stuff he does, and we made him a commercial, which everybody's going to hear tonight. But when you say she's our biggest fan, Nancy and I have met 30 seconds ago, but <laughs> I know that the our biggest fan she's taught, she's a fan of is Peter and Vincent Mingles and NetworkLeads.com. So I'm just going to do this impromptu plug. Whoever is listening right now, you got to get over there. NetworkLeads.com is truly the quintessential all-you-can-eat buffet for for networkers and entrepreneurs from a training aspect, from what they provide in their tools and services and what they give in value in comparison to what they will receive in money um, for their tools and services is absolutely ridiculous. So get on over to NetworkLeads.com. That's the fan base that is truly loyal because you guys do great things for people every single day, and I just had to give you a little nudge right there. Thanks for the plug. <laughs> 
If you do that, then you go to networkleads.com forward slash the dash radio. That's right. So the dash radio, and we'll do special things if anybody needs anything from there. So we'll talk about that stuff maybe on another call. But while we have Greg and Nancy here, like I said, Nancy's one of our biggest fans. She's followed us for a real long time. And I've always heard great things about Greg, had a couple of conversations with him before, and he's been on our conference calls for the last, uh, these radio shows rather, for the last two nights and there's so much great information for anybody that might be listening in. Make sure you listen to some of the archive calls. But we know as we're building momentum and our good old guy Axel is doing the cool things with the commercials <laughs> and the other stuff as you're watching us grow, that many of you might be here for the very first time. So I'd like Greg to kind of share with us his story relative to the very beginning and how he evolved and eventually became a football coach on a Super Bowl team and these guys went twice and won twice so we have a great perspective so i'm going to be quiet for a little bit and have greg tell us his story from high school or college to where he is today thank you thank you peter for having me um it started over 30 years ago i uh was going to the university of florida and um i decided to be a exercise physiology major pe major but I still wasn't sure what avenue of sports I wanted to get into. So one day when I was in class, they were looking for someone to go in the weight room and intern. Um, so I went in there. I got interviewed by my boss, uh, who I was with for the last 30 years. So uh, that's where it all started. He hired me. I stayed on. When I graduated, I became an assistant there. I was there for a few years, then we went off to the University of North Carolina, coached there for five years, then we went back to the University of Florida to coach there, and then at that point, um, Mike Shanahan, who just got the head coaching job with the Denver Broncos, and we coached with him in the early 80s, all of us as a staff, so he called upon Rich Tootin, who was my boss, to... Uh, be the strength coach up there and about six weeks later he asked me to come up and um, I came up and um, we were blessed to be with the Denver Broncos for 17 years and also blessed to be winning two Super Bowls you know in that tenure so that's kind of my background how I got started and where it came from. Excellent now we're going to bring Nancy in a little bit but you were the strength coach Assistant. Assistant strength coach. So as the assistant strength coach, you work with a whole bunch of guys that needed to develop their strength, their agility, you know, move their muscles around, and all of those types of things. I mean, how much time would a typical athlete spend, you know, applying the stuff that you were teaching him or her? Well, I think with us it was um, you had certain rules in the NFL that you couldn't go above a certain amount of hours. So the time they had with us, we couldn't have them for more than, I don't know, 15 hours a week. So after that, they can do stuff on their own, so it's hard to determine how much extra they might have done. But usually when they got done with a workout with us, they usually were too exhausted to do anything extra that day. They had to rest themselves to get ready for the next workout. So 
it was about that time period for us. Wow. So you really, so in those 15 hours, that was a solid 15 hours, and they were toast by the time you were done with them. Right. We were, you know, we'd, uh, we'd start them at it. Back then, the, the rules have changed in the NFL of how long you can work guys out. But back then, it was a 14-week off-season program, and we went all 14 weeks, and they had to come in four days a week to work out. So that was the uh, principle of what went on and stuff. Now, why would it be limited? That, that would be something that I would say, now, why would they put a limit to that? It, yeah, that's a great question, Peter, because we wrapped our head around. Once they have the new collecting bargaining agreement, which was, what, a year and a half ago when they settled the strike, one of their things was to reduce the off-season workout from 14 weeks to nine weeks. I said the same thing. I said, this makes no sense. You're cutting down. I can understand cutting down padded practices, cutting down mini camps and stuff like that because you get enough during training camp and the season to get enough football. But we felt that, you know, you should at least have it, you know, not cut it down that much. But that's what was agreed upon, and that's what, you know, they had to do. So. I don't, I don't know. I would imagine that you would want to stay in shape and build your muscle strength and work on yourself almost all the time. Yeah. So if anything, you know, maybe the unions or maybe the players or whoever was being rewarded was doing whatever they were doing because people wanted to take some shortcuts. But I yeah. would be I'm kind of well, I'm not surprised when we talk about the business associated with football, but when it comes to the pure sport, you think that these guys would want to work out as much as they possibly could right. since, since it's such a pe- competitive game. All right, well that sometimes explains why um, you know, unions and uh, other things sometimes have some challenges. All sure. right, so here we are, we're going to be talking about we're going to take a commercial break in a few minutes, but we're talking about weeding the astroturf. And I know um from your previous calls that I'd like you to go over again is what is the weeding out process of what it's actually like to get to be a player on a football team. That was something really interesting you went over the first time. So, like, you got a whole bunch of high school or a whole bunch of college people and maybe even some walk-ins coming in and everybody's trying to compete for that limited number of people on the team. What is that process? Because that's part of the weeding out process as we're going to discuss a little bit later on after the commercial break. Right, without a doubt, Peter. And that that process starts right after the regular season ends for teams, whether, you know, they don't make the playoffs or they do make the playoffs, whenever the season ends for every team. And their scouts and stuff are scouting players all during the fall and going to games and then writing up reports on all these players. So that process even starts back in August when teams go to training camp. And because of that, they have a good record of what what kind of season the college players had and stuff like that. So that's what the scouts are doing the whole time. And then after the season, they bring all that feedback back to the coaches, to the general manager, and then they go through thousands of players. They evaluate a lot of players, and then they'll pick two or 300 that they're targeting for the draft, for the free agency, for unrestricted free agents. And then from that point on, they're narrow the list even more as they get closer to the draft of who they're looking for. And it really comes down to the need of each team and what kind of needs they're looking for and what position. So because of that, what they'll do is they'll 
bring, you're allowed to bring, you know, at least 90 to, um, in April to off-season workouts. And then once you get to training camp, you have to bring it down to 80. So you're going to have some guys that will be cut even before training camp starts. So they don't even get an opportunity to even show anything, So which is disappointing but you know you got to get the number to 80 and you got to do whatever you need to do so once you get to 80 you have three preseason games to bring the roster from 80 down to 53 man roster and that's the limit you can have on every team and then you have eight practice squad players and all they do is practice during the week they can't suit up for a game and one point I, I didn't mention the other night is you could only have 46 guys dressing for a game. So not all 53 are going to dress. So that's kind of a juggling act, too, because if you have injuries, you got to figure out out of that 53, okay, do I dress four running backs instead of five? Do I dress eight offensive linemen instead of seven? You know, you got to see where you're weak. I mean, I remember some games, like, we almost ran out of running backs because we dressed four and three got hurt in the game, and we were down to one. So, you know, and you, sometimes and you probably can't make those changes midstream. It's kind no, of like you give them no, the roster and yeah. you say this is the way it's going to be, and there's no right there. Right, exactly. So that's well, the point. I forgot the other night that you have the 46 that are dressed for the game, and that's it. And once that you submit the list two hours before the game, that's your 46 that are playing in the game. So. Excellent. Well, we're just about running up to our commercial break. We're going to take, we're going to finish this part of this after the commercial break. So, if we have good old Axel, do you run a home-based business? Are you looking under every rock for your next superstar diamond in the rough? Are you looking for leads in all the wrong places? Look no more. If you're a seasoned entrepreneur, you know you need the right tools in place to run your online business effectively. If you're brand new at your business and you are looking for top-notch training that will take you and your sales team to the next level? For email marketing, autoresponders, lead management systems, and more, Network Leads is what you need to prospect, communicate, manage, and support your customers and sales organizations. Just go to www.networkleads.com forward slash the dash radio and register for your free lead management system today. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronce and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. And now... Back to the show. So what do you think of that, huh? That was really nice. Uh-huh, nice job. Uh-huh. Hey, tell that Axel guy and that other girl, whoever voiced her, whoever that was, <laughs> she's doing a really good job. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Nice <laughs> hey, and yeah, for those people listening in, I'm going to share with you, like this is a work in progress. So a little bit like Greg was talking about as far as developing that football team that's eventually going to come in, we started our radio show with a thought and idea sometime in December. We started just after Christmas, I believe it was, a couple of days after Christmas, a couple of days after New Year's, and we really just decided, you know what, we're really going to go for this. So we do it four days a week, Monday through Thursday, 7 p.m., be here. We'll expand the show as well. But we really love the idea that you guys get a chance to actually see the show progressing every step in every way. And that kind of falls in with my definition that I learned about success from Earl Nightingale and probably from millions of other zillions of people was that success is a progressive realization of a worthwhile goal or ideal. And we're right there and you're watching it. So my my applause to that Axel guy, whoever's doing the music, and that whoever that girl is. <laughs> kind of liking that. So this is great. All right, so we're back with Greg. And Greg, we were talking about you know, the the high schoolers and the college students and the walk-ins and going from hundreds of people and whatever happened the previous year relative to uh, draft uh, picks and things like that, and they're starting to wean these things down. We're down to 80. 53 can be around, but only 46 can suit up, and this actually starts the selection process. When we talk about weed in the garden, you got to find the right ones, and it sounds like, you know, you're kind of stuck with the 46 at game time, and there's right. probably a little bit of a science, a little bit of luck, and I'm sure there's a couple of hairy situations, like you said, where you almost wanted to have guys switch jerseys, if you know what I mean. Hey, we need you to be a running back today, but right. you can't do those things. Right, without a doubt. you gotta, you got to hope that. You, you, the biggest thing is you hope no one gets hurt in a game and, and can't finish a game. That's the big thing. And then after that, you have to make sure that whatever position you're a little thin at, that this is what you're going with, that – they stay healthy enough to finish the game. Has that ever been a real consideration? Like, could you remember a time in a really important place where, like, oh, shoot, something happened where we were kind of messed up? Like, like oh, shoot, we ran out of, like you said, running backs or, or front linemen or whatever, you know, centers or anything else like that. Right. Well, that, that's the thing. And, and I think what, you know, our offensive line, we always dress like um, – what are their five offensive linemen, we dress no more than seven. So, you know, if two or three got hurt, we're in trouble. And what they do is if they have certain positions where they're not sure if a guy can go for the game, they'll try, practice him two hours before the game to see if he has enough mobility, to see if he's healthy enough to play. And if he's not, then they'll make a decision to dress someone out. But some guys that are kind of on the fence and they're still waiting to see if they can play, they'll kind of take him out on the field, you know, two to three hours before the game, go through some agility drills to see if he can handle a game, and they'll make a decision on that. And that decision kind of dictates, you know, how many people you'll have at that position for that game. So. And I suppose the position, you know, a lot of people either may be familiar with football or not here, but, you know, you have the front lineman, you got five guys mostly on the front, you have the center, the two guards, and the two tackles, and however the defense is going to defend against that might be one thing. But is there a big difference, you know, between the guy who's the guard and the guy who's the center and the guy who's the tackle? I mean, are they that much of a difference where they couldn't kind of flip around and kind of do each other's job? I think the uh, the center and the guards can kind of, intermix with each other i think the tackles it's a lot harder for the tackles compared to the guards and center because the tackles i don't want to say they're more athletic than the guards and center 
but they have to handle some of those speed rushers coming off the corner, and they have to have pretty fast feet. So they tend to be more flexible in their hips and their ankles, and they're able to move a lot quicker in space to uh, handle blocking those guys. So I think a tackle would have a hard time being an interior lineman because they're usually about 6'6", 6'7", you know, weigh about 330, so they're going to have a hard time playing in the middle like that. So, And the same with the guard. Guards are usually shorter, a little lighter, and they usually don't have the foot speed to handle rushers like that. A, a couple of guys can do it, but that's usually the case with the offensive linemen. Excellent. Okay, good. All right, so here we are. We're down to the 46, and they're playing and let's say, for instance, you start off in your preseason and some guys make it and you start off your first couple of games and then all of a sudden I think maybe some adjustments probably have to be made. Is it? I don't think it's a naive statement to think that the number of people that you start off with is going to look a little bit different when you get into the Super Bowl. How right. much of, how much of right. your team actually changes, you know, on average, right. between the guys that started and the, maybe the people that you're working with at the end? I would say there's usually at least three or four changes, you know, either through injury or saying this guy's not doing what we need him to do, let's bring, put this other guy in. So, And sometimes it's more than that of injuries. You know, sometimes you might have, I remember when Green Bay won the Super Bowl, they lost like nine starters that year. So, they had a whole new batch of guys, and they were still able to win a Super Bowl. So sometimes it comes really down to the injury factor, and every team goes through it and has it. Some come down to, well, this guy I think is going to be a little more talented than the guy we originally started. So that happens. That happens on our. That happens on the Broncos and everyone else. So what I what I kind of heard as we go through this, we spoke on previous calls about like the three things that I look for, the three things that I've observed about people that are successful. And the first one is the moral compass. I want to talk about ethics in just a little bit. Um, the next one was going to be a passion for what they do. I'm sure there's tons of people that are on the football team that have passion for what they do. They love the game. They love the sport and everything about the culture. And then you have to be able to manage the distractions both in time so the distractions of time and then the distractions of the mental stuff that's going on. I would imagine a football coach then would have to deal with the distractions being the people that you're losing as a result of injuries and right. things along and, that line. So all right. these things have to and, be considered, and, and that's the correlation. And like you said, and that's the philosophy. of, And the philosophies most teams take now is, and I've heard this quite a few times, is next man up. So that's the way it is. No one ever uses injuries as an excuse, even if it's a superstar or whatever. You know, it's just next man up. We're a team. We're not a bunch of individuals. And, you know, because of that reason, you just keep pushing forward. You know, it might be a shock to a team when they lose a big-time player, but they realize that all 53 have to pull together and the next guy at that position has to step up and do the job like he did it. So that's where that comes from. So the the culture is team. The culture, it's almost like the cult in the word culture is about the family of everything, and it's a team sport, and everybody tries to support each other. That's a great theory. Where does it break down? Because I think sometimes even when you're building a home-based business and you have some people in 
and you, you start off as a team, and then it gets a little bit tough, and then maybe some excuses start happening, or maybe some adjustments from the top start to happen. So how difficult is it to be able to keep all that together and basically continue to sell people on the cult, the culture, you know, the team spirit thing, especially when things are failing or falling apart or there's some struggles? How do you deal with that sort of thing? Well, like you said, Peter, it's um, you're right. There's going to be distractions. There's going to be, whether it's in football or life or people own businesses or in network marketing companies, things are going to happen. You know, that's life. That's what goes on. And I think people, whether you're an athlete or not, get surprised when something happens in life that's not good or this is what happened, and they're shocked by it. And I think when that happens, they have trouble recovering or getting back to focusing on what they need to do in their business, their sport, or something, whereas someone who says, hey, hey, that's life, that's going to happen, things like that go on, and you just got to keep moving forward. And I think that's the big difference between people in business and athletics or whatever it might be is the ones that know Things are going to go on, and some things might shock you in life. And, you know, like you said the other night, you'll you'll drive to someone's house. They're not home. You arranged a meeting. No one showed up. People quit your business, and they think it's a scam. And then a lot of people will take that and say, I had enough. You know, maybe they're right. Yeah, this is, you know, and they don't have that belief in them of what they need to do. Or other people that say, hey, that's part of life. That's going to... That's going to go on with people. That's going to go on with athletics, and that's just the way it is. But I'm just going to keep moving forward. So I think that's the big difference right there. Can you can you think of any analogy or any story, and you don't have to necessarily identify anybody specifically and personally, but can you identify anything that might have happened like just before a game or around certain time that either rocked your or an opponent's team? Like remembering that, wait a minute, we're all people too. So it could have been a personal tragedy, a mental tragedy, something happened somewhere where really it was a test of concentration, if it, was, if it was a test of focus, if it was a test of this is going to be a distraction. So it was something in the news, something, a personal thing. Could you think of any specific example that might have happened that said, you know, there was this one time when? Right. I remember um, a couple of times athletes might have lost a, a grandmother the night before or that morning or a close relative or something like that, you know, and uh and they and the coach gave them the option. They said, you know, it's up to you. You you know, you don't need to be here. You don't need to play. You know, you can take care of what you need to take care of, but they wanted to play because they felt by playing that would at least those three hours would at least not have them think about it all the time. But Coaches and administrators are very understanding if there's tragedies in people's lives or right before a game because it seems like a lot of this stuff happens during the season. It seems like a lot of the things like that don't happen in the off season. And when that happens, you know, it might happen on a Wednesday. They take three or four days, go to a funeral, and the head coach will say, listen, you know, don't worry about it, you know. You know, we'll be all right, you know but they want to come back and they want to contribute because they look at it that even though they're going through something, they know they have a family with the 53 guys and the coaches and stuff, and they don't want to let them down. 
So that's I've had a few instances like that, yes. Now, we're going to get ready for our next commercial break, but, you know, sometimes what do you do as a coach when a guy wants to play but somebody's got to kind of throw in the flag for him? Like, I know what you're on to. You know you have this intestinal fortitude, the love for the family and everything else like that, but we're going to talk about I'll let you think of the examples. We're getting close to this break. But there's got to be sometimes where the coach has to say, you know, you just have to sit this one out. You know, you're, you, we appreciate the time, the discipline, the love for the family, but are there some instances, and we're going to start our commercial in just a second, but are there some situations where somebody else has to make the decision for them? And, you know, how tough might that be? So if we have Axel on the other line ready to push some buttons, let's go, Axel, and we're going to talk to Coach Greg, and then we're going to bring Nancy in on the other side as well. Savage Smokes is a new site on the scene dedicated to the trending electronic cigarette industry. If you are looking into e-cigs as an alternative to tobacco and have been disappointed by the ones you picked up at the gas station or you kept your money in your pocket because you didn't know which one to buy, head to SavageSmokes.com for honest and up-to-date electronic cigarette reviews on most e-cigs you see on the shelves. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronce and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on facebook.com forward slash the Dash Radio. And now... Back to the show. Okay, so as we're coming back, Dawn, you know, I, I don't want to hog the conversation. You know, this guy, testosterone-driven talk. <laughs> I knew that was what was going to happen for this whole show. Why do you think I said, hey, can we have Nancy on one of these? I know, I know. <laughs> so if you, want, if you want to add or say something, you certainly can. No, absolutely. I think this is so much fun for you, Peter, that I'm just going to just sit here like all good wives do um, as a good partner and co-host. I'm going to sit and watch the guys talk football. Okay, here we go. All right, so, <laughs> so, you, know, so, you know, back to my initial question. You know there's sometimes where somebody's a team player, I'm going to bring this back to maybe your home-based business. So you have somebody that's loyal, they're working really hard, they're doing the right things, you know they're on your team, they're on your side, but maybe, just maybe, they're hosting a conference call and they're just not pulling it off the right way, and or maybe they're just a little bit down, or maybe something's going on, and eventually you have to say, hey, let me kind of grab this one at this time, or maybe you know, maybe you should sit this one out. So that must be a tough decision, I would imagine. So, Greg, so have you ever had that situation where you actually had to say, you know what, you're, you 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 know, you broke your shoulder, you know, you broke your neck, you want to come back a little bit too quickly, you just can't. So there might be some physical reasons or some mental reasons why, but have you ever had to pull a guy out? Yeah, I mean, uh, a head coach at times will, with an injury that's 50-50, and a player always wants to try and go, you know. Um, he'll make the decision, you know, we're going to rest you one more week. But when it comes to um, a loss of a family member or something like that, that's all the player's decision, you know, because no one knows – how that individual's feeling. So you can't make the assumption that you're going to make a decision of what he's going through. Now, an injury is a different case because he's talking to trainers and doctors and they're advising the head coach we think what we think needs to. That's a different thing. When it comes to a mental thing, something like that, that's more the player says, I can go, no problem, and the head coach goes with it. 
Now, has sometimes those issues actually meant a, you know, a catalyst to that person's performance? Maybe because uh, some family member died or some tragedy, they might say, I'm going to win this for this one, and you just see him step his game up, you know, 25%, or all of a sudden become like almost superhuman in the reality of that. So has that ever happened, and is it mostly a mental thing? Yeah, without a doubt it does, because that extra adrenaline rush of getting out there and performing definitely raises someone's game, and um, if they're able to win that game, um, they just break down and cry because all that emotion just came out of what they went through for those three hours to get to that level. So that definitely is the case in some instances. And perhaps a good coach might take advantage of that without using the word take advantage of being negative, just kind of maximize from that as well. And the team might rally around it too. Without a doubt, without a doubt. You know, a team will rally around it if they come into the game a little down and they see a person, what he went through and how he's performing and accelerating they're like looking at each other like, we got to give everything we have. You know, look at what he's doing out there. You know, there's no way we can drop our game for anything. So they'll raise their game even more of seeing what he's going through and what he's doing out there. Now, the, the next thing, too, is, and I'm going to bring Nancy in for this one. It's tough, I'm sure, to be a coach um, and to be a player and a head coach and all of that pressure that we have um, or that you would have relative to winning a game. But I would say it's probably equally just as tough, and they probably have a whole bunch of sacrifices and things that they have to go through too um, for being a wife of a player or a wife of a coach or the wife of a head coach and stuff like that. So, Nancy, if you are here. I am here. First, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for letting us borrow your husband for a couple of days. <laughs> well, thank you for having him. He's great and he's wonderful, and we always love you, Nancy. But let's talk about it from the mom's side, because, you know, as a mom, you have to deal with stuff. When these guys go away and they go play their games, even though they're at war, kind of like the things that they do, you're the one who sticks around at the house. You're the one who has to keep everything together. You're the one who has to kind of take care of everything when it's going on. So let's talk a little bit about that support that you would give someone and maybe some of the challenges. You know, talk to the people that might be listening in. You know, maybe there's somebody on, this, uh, on the radio show, and they're the person who's going out there and they're hitting it real hard and trying to build their business, and the person on the other side doesn't play that every day, and they may be sitting on the sidelines. So let's talk about being – the spouse of somebody that goes out there and leaves for a long time, you know, and goes on a stretch and comes home mentally and physically just kind of wiped out as well. So explain to us what it's like to be like that and the support that's necessary. Well, I think one of the things that people don't realize is what goes on behind the scenes. Whenever uh, Greg would leave at work in the snow in Colorado and start clearing off the driveway like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. And he wouldn't get home till sometimes 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock at night. Every other weekend, they're on the road. And uh, win, lose, or draw, you know, they're gone. And then to come back in the snow in the middle of the night, if they win or if they don't, just that part of it, seven days a week, and those kind of drooling hours, but they believe in their team, they believe in what they're doing, and they are on high drive. There's the media that's in there, oh, you can't win, they're up against this, the odds of doing that. 
They mm-hmm. don't have. They don't listen. They keep marching, marching, marching. Get out there, do it, do it, do it. And it's this constant drive. And then let's say that they had a bad week and they didn't win. Next thing you know, the media and all the fans are like, well, if they would have done this, if they would have done this, if they, you know what? Look how much they put into it. They work and work and work. And then if they win, a lot of times the Sunday afternoon football coach sitting in his lazy boy recliner would say, the only reason they won is because this or that or, you know, it was luck. It's not work. I mean, it's not luck. It's the performance. It's the everyday drooling hours, their mental and physical state as a team and a body to get out there and do it. They never give up. Doesn't matter what the media says. Doesn't matter with your fair feather fans. They're there as a team, one body. All of us are together and we're going to win. And if we lose, we're all losing together. So whenever you put up with those kind of hours, that kind of weather, standing on the sidelines, what was that one game, Greg, it was like two below or something. Mm -hmm. The inside of their mouths were frozen. (sighs) They never talk about those things. You know, and Nancy, just listening to you and being the person who has really taken the network marketing leadership role in my household, um, you know, it's the same thing when you're the person who's networking and you're out there and you might not be the spouse that's on the front line doing the meetings and doing the stuff. You might be the spouse that's at home. And, and you and Greg, Greg said that you've been the one built in the network marketing side of things while he was the one and he's on the sidelines and coaching the teams. I mean, the two of you have really taken, you know, taken your lives by storm and really taking leadership roles in each of your perspective roles in your in your marriage and in your home. That must have been a real challenge at times. And, you know, on the other, it's really fun because what will <laughs> happen is both of us will get that mindset of drive. And if people say, oh, well, that company's not good or you never know who's going to do something, Greg was always there to hold me up. Mm-hmm. Good, bad, or indifferent, he's with me. And if a company has a hiccup or whatever, it doesn't matter. We're still together. Exactly. You know? Yeah, it was it was sounding like there were some parallels to both of you and that you could really be a support to each other in, in the same situations. Of course, I never lost a game, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that that always kept me focused, something that I – you have to be grounded. And it's like sometimes you just need that reality check of, like, now, why am I on the phone with all these people, and why is it I believe in this company, or where can I get some kind of support or inspiration? Peter Mingles. Mm-hmm. And if you go to his trainings, the videos, the whenever he picks up the phone and makes those cold calls to the universe, mm-hmm. he's, if, he, if you're going to buy leads from him, he knows how to train people to be a superstar. So if you want a Super Bowl ring, go to Peter Mingles, and he's going to tell you how to get through it. But I would <laughs> get at that, some of that stuff, and you look at those silly little cartoons, but you know it's serious topics. And it's like if you can just focus with him, you're going to get the Super Bowl ring. Because every time I would get in with somebody, I'd say, okay, you got to get into the PM marketing and look at what they're doing. And people would say, where do you get leads? Well, you can buy them anywhere. You can do anything. 
you better buy them from somebody you trust. You know, and that would be Peter and what he's doing and how he's demonstrated it for so many years. That's who you want on your team. Beyond well, the shadow of a I, doubt. And we're going to run that commercial up, I, again. I, I told you she was a front leader. But I told you she was a big fan. But the, the thing that I really like is the balance that Greg mentioned on one of his other calls because he always considered the stuff that Nancy does you know, relative to the tough stuff. So here you got a, a you know a strength trainer in the NFL that talks about pushing guys real hard, and then saying sometimes the hardest thing you might ever do would be to build a home-based business because of the mental challenges. It is. Mm-hmm. So, so Nancy, we appreciate you being here, and we certainly appreciate you um, lending your husband to us. And we're going to have you uh, comment on this a, a little bit later on as we as we go. But before we take our next commercial break. Greg, let's go back to that concept of where you're talking about weeding your garden, having the AstroTurf. How about this stuff when it gets tough? I am positive there's got to be some weeds in that garden during that Super, you know, during that Super Bowl trek when they're running from game one and the stuff is happening and the guy drops the ball, the quarterback makes a mistake, or worse than that, maybe a mental mistake relative to getting super emotional into it. How, do, how does the head coach and how do you guys kind of manage those things? Because they could spiral out of control pretty quick, I'm sure. Right, without a doubt, Peter. And that brings me to one example. Uh, when we played the Packers, John Elway's lost a number of Super Bowls. He never won one. Mike Shanahan was involved. He won one with the 49ers. But Green Bay marches down, throws a touchdown in the first five minutes of the game. So Elway and Shanahan are looking at each other like, here we go. But the rest of the team is like, whatever, let's go, let's roll. And when they saw the reaction of every player on that team, like, wow, this is a different feeling. They're not even phased that they went down the field and scored. They just said, all right, let's go, let's go, we'll go and score ourselves. So I think that aspect, when you've had things in the past that have happened, and momentum's a big thing in, in sports, of course, but when someone scores fast on you and you've had past memories of never winning a Super Bowl, you start thinking back to those memories, just like if you're in business and you're successful and then you have that one thing that was a real big negative thing, and if that replays again, you either go back to that period of time where that wasn't too good and you sink down to that level or you rise above and you say, these things are going to happen, let's move forward. And that's the big reason we were able to beat the Packers, because this team was like, I don't care if they put 24 points on the board, we're going to put 28. If they put 40, we're going to put 41. So, you know, that mindset already coming in was, but you're right, because when things don't go right, especially during the season, when you go and you lose four or five games in a row during the season, you start finding out real quick who are the ones that are going to keep pushing forward, and you will have some weeds in that garden that will kind of waver, especially young guys, and they'll be like, man, are we going to ever win another game? So there definitely is people like that that you know will get like that, and they, they need the veterans to kind of snap them out of it to say, let's go, let's get ready for this week, and let's not – be concerned what happened the last five weeks. So there's definitely some of that going on, yeah. I want want to get stuck on that topic for now before we go into our next break. But how much expectation 
really can play into the end result. So if you've lost three or four and all of a sudden you realize you're not going to make the playoffs so maybe something else is going to happen, how much of that initial expectation have they lost the game before they ever stepped on the field? Without a doubt, Peter, that's definitely the case because if you have high expectations that you're going to make the playoffs, you're going to be a Super Bowl contender and you're going through this, you have to – you have to go out there and push yourself even further to get to that next level. And like Nancy said, when it comes to the media, and not just media, but people around you talking just bad, and I'm talking about you'll have friends talking bad about you. You know, you know, it gets pretty wicked. And like Nancy says, you know, they don't know the hours we put in and what goes on. And because of that, you have you have to – you know, step up and get to the next level. And that comes more from coaches because they're relying on us to keep them up, to keep them going, and to not – if you show panic in you, then they're going to lose their confidence no matter how old the player they are. That's right. So. All right, we're going to give Axel a chance to push some buttons over here. We're going to come on the other side start to wrap up this portion of this call. Go ahead, Axel. Are you in a rut about your taxes? No more with this simple template. Your business deserves the best, and so do you. Try our simple bookkeeping formula. You'll look organized, find your receipts, and you might even get a write-off. One thing is for sure, you'll thank us. Visit bit.ly forward slash the dash taxes. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash D-A-S-H taxes. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronce and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. And now... Back to the show. All right, Don, I guess we're back. You're back. We're going to have Greg, if you can, come back tomorrow. Talk about, yeah, that's fine. Perfect. We're going to have you talk about the day of the Super Bowl and all the wonderful things that happened as a result of them getting to that final game. Um, but today, and, we have, and we have Bob Adams tomorrow night. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because... We have Bob here, too. Yeah, that's right, because he's like, he's Bob the tax man with the personal development thing, and he is really excited about coming on and meeting Greg and Nancy. Yeah, and Bob's our tax guy, and by the way, I think we just had the tax commercial for all those people that are around getting ready to do taxes. Make sure you buy Bob's product as far as that's concerned. But relative to this, let's talk about the essence of sportsmanship and perhaps fairness and maybe the way the rules change. Now, I would imagine that in 17 years you saw a whole bunch of stuff, and there was a different level of communication, and there's a different level of awareness, and there was a lot of things that maybe could happen behind the scenes that no one would ever see. And then today, where everything might as well have a security camera on everyone, and with Twitter and people being able to push buttons and tests and everything else all over the place, how has the football game changed relative to sportsmanship, drugs, steroids, everything business etc i know that's a broad stroke and somehow or another <laughs> somehow or another i want to tie that into 
you know, what do you think about sportsmanship and maybe your comments on uh, the Lance Armstrong thing um, relative to, you know, how he held off and how maybe you could see every side of that situation as well. So talk to me about the competitive nature and the uh, the exposure that the people have right now in sports. Well, I think when it comes to a football aspect, um, they look out for each other out there. They know it's a very physical, demanding, brutal sport, and at any time your career could be over. So you'll see them pick a guy up. They'll see them talking to him a second or something like that. So there's actual love out there, and usually after every game, there'll be about 20 or 30 people that'll form a circle and just uh, do a prayer session of both teams, coaches, players, whoever wants to do it. So they're very close with each other. They try to cover each other. They're fierce competitors when the game goes on. But once it's over, it's over, and um, you move forward. So um, I think um, when it comes to individual sports like cycling, I think it's a whole different atmosphere because it's even though they're on teams, it's more of an individual thing than a football thing where you need the whole team to win. With an individual of what I've seen of the Tour de France, the team kind of has the individual lead and they help him win, and that's what Lance Armstrong's team has done. Now, I'm not taking anything away of what his charities have done, and I've been around a lot of close people that have had cancer, so it's not like... Uh, you know, I don't know what that's about. But the bottom line is when you think you're bigger than life and you think you're bigger than the law and you want to deny things and keep denying things, you know, there's going to be someone that might stay on it because a lot of people will forget about it like most people did except this one individual, you know, who was head of the anti-doping committee. And he stayed on it. He was on 60 Minutes and he was threatened and everything else, and, um, you know, I just think people like that just keep, like a Lance Armstrong, making excuses for what's going on. He had riders testify against him, what really went on, and uh, there were a lot of threats going on. And, um, you know, even with this this uh, president of the IOC, you know, he was, um, he was threatened. So he stayed with it, and... Um, you know, I just think you have to be accountable for what you did. And, um, you know, I admire the guy for surviving cancer, and his charity has helped millions of people. That's unbelievable. But you know what? At the end of the day, you have to look at yourself and be accountable for what you did. And it's one thing if you did doping, but when you're controlling every avenue and you're using intimidation on your own teammates and intimidation on organizations and doing whatever it takes to win and being so sophisticated about it, you know, you're you're just living in a delusional world. And I read something today, he says, yeah, they're making me the fall guy. You know, it's just you can't reason with someone like that that is just um, won't look at the truth in himself. And the, the word delusion is a little bit, um, in my opinion, perfect. Because when I heard about him and the doping allegations, I wasn't surprised. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh. You could kind of see it all along. And with the amount of things that he did, it was just a shame that that happened. So 
Now, let's talk about stuff relative to football. These guys are pretty big guys. Are there are there tests, are there checks in place? How much has that changed over the years relative to maybe the way it used to be when no one was looking? Well, like over the last 15 years, it's changed dramatically. And um, there's no – they get tested – all the time, and if they get tested, you know, and they, it's not even tested for steroids or anything like that. It's tested for having something in a vitamin you took that's on the ban list, you know, or something might say, I remember a player got suspended, and he couldn't believe it. The bottle said ephedrine-free, and ephedrine was on the ban list, and he got suspended, and he goes, it says ephedrine-free, and he goes, well, we still got you because there's some in there. So it's more or less they're getting um, suspended for maybe taking a cold medicine that they picked up at Walgreens instead of getting it through the trainer that has something in it. that, And no one knows everything that's on. You can't even pronounce half those names. So because of that reason, when you see a guy get suspended for four games, that's the reason. It's not drugs. It's not steroids. It's not anything like that. It's more... They took a cold medicine pill that they didn't get from the training staff, and because of that, it had something in there that came up positive. So that's what it's more or less coming down to these days. And why is there such a big push on them staying clean? Is it because they're interested in the athletes or are they interested in the image or a combination of both? I think both. They're interested in in the athletes and the image because the NFL especially – does so much charity work for kids' groups and to have the Play 16 group to have little kids um, stay in shape. So, And they have a lot of guys going to schools. They have a lot of players uh, giving Thanksgiving dinners out, going to hospitals. So they don't want guys that are, you know, doing something artificially and not being true to themselves. So... You know, out of all the sports, you know, I don't know how it is in the other sports, but I know football's like the cleanest sport there is. So because they have an image, and obviously, like, for instance, the Postal Service now has to deal with the image of Lance Armstrong, and they were the ones who kind of endorsed a whole bunch of things relative to him as sponsors. The NFL and the rest of the football leagues, they're interested in very much so trying to do everything they possibly can to have a clean image is really what's going on. So besides a side benefit of that might be the athletes actually live longer. What's the average lifetime of a football player? Meaning, like, you know, you don't see guys in their 60s still playing the sport. It seems like people are starting to talk about retirement sometimes even in their 20s and their 30s. So what's the average lifespan, if you will, of a football player nowadays? Three and a half years. Wow. Right. So if we start to take a look at what's at risk, and, and we go through the weeding of the guarding analogy as we started before. Greg, we started off with hundreds of people probably in every state trying to compete. Probably the numbers are in the thousands and the bigger ones. And they're all competing for this chance to have a trial on a team, and then they some of them get cut, and some of them make it, and some of them don't, and they finally get to that Super Bowl ring, and there's only – X amount of people that actually ever get a chance to do that, and through the whole entire sport, your average lifetime could be three and a half years. And then we say to ourselves, now, what's some of the comparisons relative to what we do in home-based businesses? Well, we, mil- we might still start off with thousands of us getting started, and thousands of us quit because whatever reason. But the reality is, is Greg, we have a life 
long chance to succeed in a home-based business. Right. So for right. all those people, and that's where some of the correlations are similar, and maybe that's where they are somewhat different. Now let's talk about that three and a half or four years or five or ten years maybe for the most successful ones. Do football plan, uh, players have a plan B for what's going to happen when they're done? No. <laughs> you know, I mean, they think they're going to play 15 years, get Super Bowl rings, make millions of dollars, and these young guys that come up in the league, they're out partying. And I said, listen, if you don't slow yourself down, you're going to be out of the league before you know it. And they don't want to listen to you. They don't want to listen to a veteran like Champ Bailey. <laughs> you know, they they think they got it all figured out. And before you know it, they're on the street. They're tried out for four or five teams. They're bouncing around. They've been in different camps. And before you know it, by the age of 25, they're out of the league. They're broke. And they don't know what to do. And the NFL has a great internship program for different business schools they can go to in the off season to help them, you know. But some will take advantage of it, some won't. And some are in that land of they're not in reality. They think um, I'll make enough money. I'm not worried about it. Or you have a career-ending injury or something like that, and your career is cut short. So there's a, a lot of factors that go into it. I guess maybe if you're groomed as being Superman in high school, you're groomed as being Superman in college, you get to another level, you bring your head with you, you think you're going to be Superman in the NFL, and then all of a sudden that competitive level, it's a different game. There's a business behind it as well, and like you said, they never thought about that plan B. Right, exactly. exactly. And, and, you know, Peter, I think that's where, you know, Nancy and her work for the past many, many years becomes super relevant, you know, so many people are out there working a day job, and so it, it, for the people who are listening to us right now, you know, maybe you're the one working your day job, whatever that day job is, you know, um, and there's somebody at home, and maybe maybe it's a wife who's raising kids, or maybe it's not so stereotypical, and, and everybody is, you know, roles are, roles are flipped all over the place in today's society, but... Working a home-based business as your plan B, whether you're doing that two hours a day when you get home or you're the, the second part, second half of a partnership that's at home and, you know, not working that, that full-time deal, you know, finding yourself a plan B in a home business that you can go ahead and sink your teeth into so that there is something to fall back on or something to spring forward to as a partnership, you know, it's super important, don't you think, Nancy? I sure do. You always got to have a plan B. <laughs> got to have a plan B. So, Peter, I think we are at the moment of wrap for the evening, and I hope that both of you will be joining us again tomorrow night and uh, when we're going to talk taxes and, and that and that winning strategy of how to bring it all together and bring it home for people. All right. No problem. Sounds great. All right. All right. Cool. Axel, Let's it's go time Axel. for the extra. All right. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. At The Dash, we know that your time is precious, and your choosing to spend it with us means a lot. To get reminders for our live shows that happen every Monday through Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, click follow on the top of any show. Also, subscribe to our blog for articles, inspirations, and great products and services for your ever-growing business at thedashradio.com. For upcoming mobile experience, text DASH to 37404. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Dash Radio. Again, thanks for spending some of your Dash with us. We look forward to talking with you again soon. 
Do you run a home-based business? Are you looking under every rock for your next superstar diamond in the rough? Are you looking for leads in all the wrong places? Look no more. If you're a seasoned entrepreneur, you know you need the right tools in place to run your online business effectively. If you're brand new at your business and you are looking for top-notch training that will take you and your sales team to the next level. For email marketing, autoresponders, lead management systems, and more, Network Leads is what you need to prospect, communicate, manage, and support your customers and sales organizations. Just go to www.networkleads.com forward slash the dash radio and register for your free lead management system today. Are you in a rut about your taxes? No more with this simple template. Your business deserves the best and so do you. Try our simple bookkeeping formula. You'll look organized, find your receipts, and you might even get a write-off. One thing is for sure, you'll thank us. Visit bit.ly forward slash the dash taxes. That's bit.ly forward slash d-a-s-h taxes. 